Hi, this is Tony from DC Comics News, and we are happy to be joined by the creative team from Dark Horse Comics' Last Stop on the Red Line, which consists of writer Paul Mayberry, artist Sam Lofty, and colorist John Rausch. Thank you guys so much for coming today. I love the book, which is not what this is about, but I just wanted to say I love the book. Um, I, I have a question about the length that I'll get to later because I'm concerned about four issues. I feel like I'm going to leave unresolved and, and anxious for more when it's over. So that'll, we'll get to that towards the end. But um, I think it'd be smart to just, if you guys could explain how you kind of got the team together and Paul, how you started the project and why, you know, why this, this talented art crew, give me a little bit of that and you guys chime in. And if I have a follow-up question, I'll jump in as we go. All right. Well, the, the story came about, it was one of several pitches that I sent to Mike Richardson. Um, and I was actually surprised that this one ended up being picked up. Uh, and for half a second, I considered drawing it myself, but uh, I felt that working with someone like Sam, we'd reached a broader audience. Um, so, I reached out to Sam, who I knew just from living in Austin for a few years. I'd seen the conventions. And uh, man, I think we've known each other for about a decade now, um, even though it was our first time working together. Uh, and then Sam can talk a little bit about bringing John on. Yeah, uh, I had uh, worked uh, well, with John the first time was with uh, the, when I did the DC workshop, they had a, they had the all the artists and writers from that workshop get together and work on uh, short stories for the DC talent show. Uh, the second time around, I had done that. Uh, I did a Doctor Fate story that was written by uh, uh, David Acampo, and uh, John was assigned to color it. And so he was the first colorist that I felt like really kind of understood and interpreted my line art really well, and we just really gelled well. And the whole process of working on that story uh, was just a pleasure. So. Uh, since then, I just kind of had him in mind for anything else, any other future stuff I wanted to work on. So once this came up, I was like, let's see if we can get John if he's not too busy. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get lucky. And uh, thankfully, we did. <laughs> um, basically the same. From, from my point of view, um, as kind of an accessory role or support role, that's usually the way I'm brought in. But I will try to, like, if I, if I work with an artist that I mesh well with, I'll I'll reach out and tell them I like working with them. You know, like I talked to Sam a few times. He knew I wanted to work with him again. So it was just, it was a good connection to have and it worked out. Nice. And I think, I mean, I, everything just jumps off the page. I think it's so visually stunning. And, and one of the things I mentioned in one of my reviews was the space that you seem to give Paul, like you, when you're scripting it, it seems like there's just panels where you're just letting, like showing them off. Is that, is that intentional or is that part, like when you're writing the script, do, are you writing in there that there's no words, that it's just, you're leaving it to them? Or do you even like do a rough sketch of what you want it to look like? No, I don't, I don't do too much sketching, even though I, I started as an artist. Um, but that I started as an artist, I definitely keep in mind that I want to give Sam and John the room to breathe. Uh, and definitely uh, just as far as the one page splash goes in issue two with the hand. Oh, all of that I love that. God, that's was so the, the first thought I had of the issue was that dream sequence. And I knew that like, I just wanted Sam to do this like movie poster hand. Um, 
And so a lot of the scripts start with just key visuals like that, and then we build around it. Nice. And how do you guys feel about that when he just says, here's the idea, I have a dream, and literally, and then you have to draw it. What is that like? It's nice. It's nice working. It's, that's the nice thing about working with Paul is uh, since he's an artist himself, he can write things visually and make sure, you know, when, when there are scenes that need to, you know, there needs to be a lot of exposition. He also balances those scenes out with uh, moments of uh, silent story, uh, storytelling, which really gives a story room. Those moments. So that's really cool. Nice. Yeah, um, from my point of view, it's just, I try to be as intuitive as possible and understand what it is I'm being given and emphasize what's there, you know? So it's not, I'm, I'm obviously not deciding what's on the page ever, but I'm deciding uh, how much attention it gets maybe. Yeah, and that, well, and, and so about that with the, because so many of the characters in this book aren't human at all. Um, I guess I have two questions about, about those characters in general, like the monsters that are doing the, the killing and the monsters that Yusef hangs out with, his friends. Um, so the idea, I guess, behind those monsters. So Paul, when you design those guys, um, especially the Wolf and, and Zev, did you know what you wanted them to look like in advance? And then my follow-up question is, and maybe you don't want to tell us this, when we see them, are we seeing them as Yusuf sees them, or is that how everybody sees them? I and mean, if you don't want to answer that, that's fine, and that's part of the charm, I think. You had to wait till issue three. To okay. Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> um, but to go back to what you said first, uh, I had ideas for how I wanted them to look, but I did not show those sketches to Sam. Oh. Uh, I really explained them uh, because I I felt it. I didn't want to limit him in the design stage. And once he did come up with designs, like we definitely went back and forth a little bit as far as nailing the, the two main protagonists, which are Migdalia and Yusef. Uh, but for Wolf and Zev, they were pretty, uh, just, just whatever Sam wanted to do. And I, I had some initial thoughts on just making sure that the core cast had a bit of a Saturday morning cartoon element to them where <laughs> their, their colors were, were bright and poppy no matter where they were in this world. Um, and just making them quickly identifiable to the reader. Uh, and those colors are also tied into the, to the subway line palette in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was that like for you guys, John and Sam, when you're just like, give me monsters? <laughs> Well, that was, that was the, the, one of the biggest draws for the book for me. Was, I, I love drawing supernatural monster stuff. In addition to subtle, quiet moments, anything that I can that lets me take advantage of uh, setting the scene or mood and atmosphere, I'm a big fan of that stuff. So we talked a lot about those things uh, in the story going forward and or initially, and then moving forward, we wanted to make sure that not only with the character designs, but even certain uh, scenes and uh, settings and so forth, uh, complemented the bright, colorful characters um, when we did that. And, and you can see, I think at the end of issue two, uh, you can see a lot of the design process in the back of issue two. And uh, John really just came in and, and really melded those two worlds together with the characters and the backgrounds and everything was great. Yeah, and how do you just make that decision? So did, did Paul tell you, John, like, here's the colors I want, or he just said I wanted them to be bright and then you decided? Yeah, uh, all the characters had, uh, they were designed when I came on. So I already had the color schemes and everything. Oh, okay. For me, it's, it's more a matter of just trying to understand the story and create some kind of rhythm and focus, you know, to where the, the characters do what they're supposed to in the scene. 
So it's not, um, yeah, I think my role is more of a subtle one. It's just, it's influencing how those things go together and, and how much attention they get in the scene. Yeah, but I think, I mean, you're right, it is definitely subtle, but I think it would be a totally different book if it were black and white, right? Oh, they, they all would, I, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it would, I don't even know. I mean, it would still, no offense, Sam, it would still look beautiful, but I think the, 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 with the way that it pops off the page, right? What do you think about that? Have you ever done a black and white comic? I, I totally agree with you. It, it completely gives it a different uh, vibe and feel. I mean, it's color in comics is much like sound in, in film and movies. Um, yeah. it, it gives it so much vibrancy that it, it's, yeah, he, he works his magic and we all, we all try to do our best as well in our own areas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I, like I said, I think it's working really well. I couldn't imagine it any other way. So, um, you know, and, and like you said, so you said, Paul, you knew in advance what the color scheme was and who you wanted to be which color? To represent right. them yeah. yeah and those designs are in the back of the book they'll be yeah issue three um but I, I i think it's important to point out that all three of us are artists in our own right um and john's actually a very talented illustrator himself and i think that his style is sort of unique among colorists um i know he it's is it clip studio that you work in yeah 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 like you're his just the notches that he adds and he's actually drawing on top of sans work and i think that sets last stop apart as far as even if we had another colorist that i don't think any other colorist could do what john does on this oh thank you i'm, I'm mostly just stealing stam's secrets when i do that so <laughs> well whatever it is I, I seriously it is just it's it's stunning to look at and, and i actually as the person who reviews it, it takes me probably the longest one to review because I just, I don't move on. You know, like I'm not just trying to get to the next panel to see who, who done it, as it were. It's really, there's so much going on and um, there's a lot in the background. You know, it reminds me, the closest thing I can think of, and I know they're totally, tonally different, was the Steve Pugh, Mark Russell Flintstones run they did, where you were always paying attention to what was going on in the background because you, and I feel like with this, there's so much happening and I'm trying to read what's on the wall. And is that important? Is that a clue? You know, I'm not, and I don't know if it is, and I, I'll have to wait two more months to find out, but I, I really do spend a, ton, a lot of time just staring at things. So I think that is, um, that works. Whatever it is, it's working really well. Glad so you're, you're definitely not our, not the average reader. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been, I've been reading comics since I was like 11. So this is, I like the, I mean, I like superhero comics fine, but I really, most of the stuff I review is kind of the, the more social commentary, a little darker stuff with Dark Horse. We, when yeah. we picked up Dark Horse and Image, I started jumping on those reviews um, a lot just because I think there's really uh, thoughtful stuff that's happening there. And that, you know, I think this is a really thoughtful book. And, and, and so, Paul, that was one of my questions, and I mentioned this um, in one of my reviews too, is I feel like there's a level of trauma that's happening to you stuff there. That is why he's seeing these things. Um, and are we ever going to, and again, not to give too much away, but are we ever going to really figure out his trauma and how much of that will, will we feel without giving anything away again? Will we feel at the end, like he's okay? You will last stop. Doesn't leave a lot of answers on the table. <laughs> okay. Um, we're, we're going to explain what you've been seeing and we're going to explain what happens to everyone. 
but there's there will be just a few things to ponder at the end but uh i definitely there's definitely a destination where everything will wrap up um but uh, yeah it's, it's hard because it's a four issue series uh and i think that given the budget and the time we could have easily gone to six issues but well, um yeah so was the pitch a six and they gave you four is that what happened no, the pitch had no issue length. Uh, oh. It was like five paragraphs and um, a promo image done by Sam, uh, which I colored because it was before John came aboard. Uh, and we sh I, I packaged that in a little design package for Richardson. Um, but yeah, the story is more or less the same. Uh, there's an extra character that was included later, which is Ben Damon, um, just to give it more of a put it more into the detective genre than the horror genre. Sure. And he's clearly, well, and I mean, it's in Boston. So the Ben Damon, is that, is that intentional? Are we supposed to see that and be like, Oh, is that, yeah. is that a knock or is that a, a hug? You're from Boston, right? So. Yeah. 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 It's a knock. Okay. <laughs> That's totally fair. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I, I love, well, when I first saw the name, I was like, I laughed. And then I wondered, well, is it a knock or is it is because, you know, there's demons around and his last name is Damon and is there something supposed to be with that too? So there's just a lot of layers um, with him. So what's it like when, 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 when Paul says to you guys, hey, I need just, you know, this average detective looking guy after, you know, when you're drawing all these other fantastical things, is that like a relief or is that a letdown for you guys to have to counter, counter the rest of what you're doing with really like the ultimate straight man? I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's like I said, it's kind of a nice uh, contrast to get to play in both the fan fantastic world and supernatural world, as well as the, uh, you know, mundane. Uh, it's kind of what helps, you know, accentuate the, the supernatural stuff more so. So it, anytime I can draw, you know, a straight character, uh, you know, just mundane, normal, average Joe type of character, um, they can be fun in their own right. You know, just any crusty, uh, you know, grumpy detective is, is always fun to draw. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I have no issue with it. I kind of, you know, in a story where so many characters are over the top and colorful and have, you know, weird stuff going on, he kind of stands out in that right. He becomes, you know, it, it's the reverse of a normal situation. So he stands out just for being that, which is totally cool with me. Yeah, and I found it interesting that he, because he's a detective, he really thinks he knows more than he does. Are we supposed to not like him? Because I'm not a super big fan. Compared to the rest of the characters, he, I, I'm not sure how to feel about him. I've only met him in one issue, so I'm not sure how to feel. But I, he feels like he, you know, Torres is such a well-defined character. And, and again, because maybe you're just painting him in broad strokes. Are we supposed to like him? I think, I think he'll grow on you. Okay, good. Possibly. Good. Okay, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I really like her. Like, she is so fascinating. And I had a question about that. Um, we, we see this really tense moment with her husband. When he comes home, that was, I was worried. I, I'll be honest, I was tense while I was reading that whole scene. And so is, is that, again, just one of those things that you, you put Lauren in there just for us to get to know her and that gives her depth? Will we come back around to that? Or we're just like, we know that about her and that helps us inform who she is? Uh, Warren, Warren's a pretty important character and you'll, you'll see him in the next few issues as well. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, Warren actually originally had a larger role in the series, but once we found out that it was four issues, uh, his storyline 
shrank a little bit, him and Octavia. Um, like I said, I mean, I really wish we could have went for six issues, but it's, uh, you know, first series for me, first series of Dark Horse for Sam. Uh, and you'll see a lot of the new uh, creator-owned books that are coming out are strictly four issues. Oh, that's going to be like a new, with Dark Horse in particular? That's more or less a standard, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So because it's creator-owned, though, if you guys, if the three of you decided next year, hey, we didn't answer things, let's get back together. Is that Because I'm assuming you guys are done, obviously. You know how it ends. We don't. So it, are you itching to get back into this world? Yeah, it's something we've talked about. Um, Sam and I, at least, um, there's a germ of an idea. Uh, it just, it just depends. I mean, we're we're actually the, the series itself is doing really well for Dark Horse and us. Um, so there's no reason why we couldn't. It just depends on, I guess, uh, the will, uh, money, schedules, life. Sure, sure, yeah. And John, would you come back on if they brought it back around? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've had nothing but uh, good things there. So I have a weird process question. Uh, and so you guys, you two are in Austin and you're not. So how does that work? Everything is digitally done. Um, do you guys meet like this and have conversations? Is everything notes? What is that? How do you make that determination? Or you just say, I trust you to do your job and you go do it. That's brilliant. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time I've actually uh, spoken to John. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's just it. It's just, you guys send stuff via just electronically and off you're working. And mostly just email. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Sam and I have known each other before the book too. So I mean like we'll, we can text each other. It's, there's a little bit more communication going on. Sure. Um, but also it's dark horse and I don't know what people think of when they think of dark horse, but we're really like, we're off on our own, kind of doing our own thing. We're not like super structured. You guys are all spread out all around. You're not, everybody's not hunkered down in some mansion in New York, is what you're saying. Oh, right. That too. And we don't have a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think people think, I think this is a perfect fit for Dark Horse. I don't, I, I you know, maybe Top Cow. I can't think of a lot of places this could have ended up. And, you know, is this, if this had, not picked up by Dark Horse, would you have pitched it other places? Or do you just think like, this is what Dark Horse does and you felt good? I know you said you were shocked this is the one they picked, but it just feels like a perfect fit. It ended up that way. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not knocking Dark Horse by saying this, but it was actually turned down by a few other publishers first. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we ended up at Dark Horse really randomly because I had, I had drawn Catalyst Comics with Joe Casey a few years back and uh, Joe had CC'd me on an email with Mike Richardson once and I had, all I'd ever said to him was just uh, hey thanks for letting me do this book and then I had not spoken to him since and I just sent I sent the pitch to him on a whim I was like hey I don't know if you remember me this is this book and uh, like a couple days later he's like I'm coming back from China I'll be there you know let's, let's have a conversation let's you know let's talk about this book Nice. And that's kind of how things are at Dark Horse, which is really funny because most publishers don't operate that way. But because they're Dark Horse, they can't. Yeah, well, I guess Mike Richardson's is kind of, yeah, I, this is more of a Mike Richardson chosen project over at Dark Horse versus going through submissions or going through an editor and getting approval. Yeah. 
And what do you guys think across the board, all three of you? Do you prefer, because I know you've all worked at different levels of levels of comics, you know, um, what do you prefer? Or do you like a mixture of both? Do you prefer the indie, the owner own stuff? Do you prefer to come in and, and say like, you know, like John, you're working, you were working uh, previously on the, um, you know, in the Sandman universe. And so you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into when you walk into a universe like that. So do you prefer to have the characters designed for you and you're just, it's a job or do you, or do you prefer to, to do the grind as, as you said, and, and make your own stuff from the ground up? Um, from my point of view, I've done, I don't about as many comics as somebody could do that somebody else already did everything before me, you know, like, <laughs> I, I've done that to death. So I'm kind of like, I guess the career path I'm on is trying to get more control and more, you know, I'd like to have a voice and be recognized for it. So that's the way I'm going personally. So you're, cause you, you draw too. So if you were to do, do it, like you would draw and, and color your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I finish this, actually my next project is a creator own thing that I'm trying to do myself. So nice. yeah, that's, that's the goal. Hopefully. Well, well, I will look forward to that for sure. What about you, Sam? What do you prefer? Uh, uh, there's pros and cons of both. I mean, it's fun playing in a, you know, another publisher sandbox, those characters. Uh, but I'd have to agree with John. Like there's, there's, it's very satisfying to just kind of get to have that kind of creative control and that voice to say what you want to say and express what you want to express through the character designs and through the uh, panel to panel storytelling, things like that. And, uh, and also to work with a, a really close tight knit team. Um, you don't have to worry about getting approval if it, you know, for example, if it's a licensed project, you have to not only you have to get approval from editors, and, but then you have to go to the licensees and all that. So with something like this, it's just us. It's a small group, and we can all just kind of text each other or email real quick, make a decision, and fly with it. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Paul. Uh, you know, I've done so many creator own books that when I do get to play with an established character, it's kind of fun for me. Like, uh, I really enjoyed drawing Chapel <laughs> and uh, Michelle Fife's Bloodstrike series. Yeah. Uh, the little stint I did at Young Animal in Cape Carson was a lot of fun. Uh, but that said, those are all very, like, short, limited runs. So I don't know if, I, if I'd necessarily enjoy drawing, like, a long-form Spider-Man book or anything like that that might get tedious. So, yeah, I think we're all in the right spot. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's kind of the golden age of, of comics now, the fact that it's, they're so easily accessible and, and um, you know, I have a local comic shop that I can go to, but, you know, it's always easy to just jump online and get the digital. And I was curious about that, what your thoughts were as I'm an, you know, I, I was born in the 70s and I bought my first comic in the early 80s and it was a comic. Um, but I'll be honest, I read a lot of stuff digitally now. Um, and I was curious as the creators, how you guys feel about that. While it makes it more accessible, do you feel like you lose something by not actually physically holding it? And you know that there's readers out there who are just, you know, reading it on there. Well, uh, well, I think that my only real complaint is the guided view on comiXology. I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it's neat, but... Um, that's that's my only beef with digital. The rest is fine unless you're uh, you're losing some features. But like a, a good example of why digital can be superior is uh, that Tradmore Silver Surfer, where you can drop out all the lettering, drop out the coloring, and just see the different levels of the work. I think that's really cool. So there's just more to play with there. 
Yeah. What do you guys think as the, because like you said, you're all artists, so I'm just curious what yeah. your thoughts are on that. I mean, like, I mean personally, I, I prefer to have the physical books. That's just me. Uh, I, I read a lot of stuff digitally as well. Um, I mean, it, it's, although we have our preferences at the end of the day, I mean, any, any medium that you can use to kind of build an audience going forward is, is generally I think is great. Um, it's the same thing with, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of film directors uh, are upset about people watching movies on their iPhones and things like that. Cause that's not how they're meant to be seen or experienced. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you, if you can get a fan from just somebody watching something on an iPhone, that's fine. You know, it works. So as long as they're enjoying the product. So, yeah. What do you yeah. think, Chad? For me, I think I land on the digital side of it. Um, like, like Sam was saying, you know, people want their, their product to be viewed the way it was intended. I think that's actually where most of the, the viewers are going to be eventually. So for me, it's convenient. I assume for a bunch of other people, it's convenient. You know, I, I have no issue with that at all. One big thing about a print book for me, and it goes to just discovering new work, is that I might not really love page one, uh, but when I pick up a book in a store and I kind of flip through it real quick, I, you kind of see the progression of the storytelling. No, no book is at its finest on the first issue. And I think just being able to like, just kind of open halfway through the book and see what it's about, there's a real value to that. And it's something that's missing from the digital format. Um, and also as, a, as an artist myself, I own physical books just because if I want to look at uh, Frank Miller's Wolverine, I want to flip to a certain page real fast and just get there. There's the digital, I got to like swipe or I don't know. It's not the yeah. same for me. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I mean, and I, I'm just guilty of, of reading a lot of my comics digitally. And because through the, through DC Comics News, you know, we get digital copies so we can get them in advance. You know, they're not mailing us physical copies of your books, although that would be fantastic too. But, you know, they're not, Dark Horse isn't going to do that. We're just happy they're, they let us start to review your books. So, um, well, I guess my one final question, I know I kind of took it down a weird rabbit hole, but I just had a bunch of questions. I said, like, when am I going to get to sit in a room with these three guys again? So. The digital thing, I wonder. I talk to other comic nerds and we all have our own thoughts, you know, so I appreciate your insight onto that. So again, I, my final question, and I teased this at the beginning, is about the four issue situation. Um, uh, you know, again, my concern every time I read it is like, oh no, how's it going to end? Um, and you had already kind of touched on this, Paul, but, but um, what was the, when you found out, especially now that I know it went from six to four, when you found that out, and this really goes for all three of you, what, what did you feel like, you know, Faulkner said, kill your darlings. So what did you have to kill to get this into the, into the four issue series? And do you feel that, um, do you feel any loss over that? And do you feel like we as the fans are going to miss out on something? Sam, is there anything that uh, was in the original version that you're going to miss? <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything that the fans will miss. Um, I think maybe... I think we, you know, I can just kind of briefly just kind of hint or talk about like maybe including some some fun character sketches from some of the other other uh, fun characters that include just as like extra extra material uh, bonus stuff in the trade. But we'll see when we get there. Okay. But as far as the story's concerned, I don't think there's anything missing. You'll 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 get the full story. And John, did you get the whole thing? Did you get it issue by issue? Did they give you all four issues at once? I've gotten it issue by issue, and I don't know what stuff got cut. Oh, okay. I perfectly or personally i kind of lean towards like shorter self-enclosed stories i just like that so didn't bother me at all 
Okay. Yeah, and I like that too. I like stories to end. I definitely think this run of of miniseries um, that all the distributors are doing really, I think, helps. And then it, you can get the trade out a lot quicker too, because it's like, here you go, six issues, it's your story, four issues, it's your story, and you can pack it with extras too. So, well, I cannot say enough um, how much I appreciate this. So if you guys would love, and I would love this, and our readers and viewers would love it, if you could just kind of tell us what's next for each of you, um, so we can kind of plug and pay attention. I know, John, you hinted at something was coming, but I would love to know what you guys are all working on next, no matter where it's DC image, you know, Dark Horse, whatever. What's coming up next so we can all keep our eyes out for it? John, what's your project? I would love to hear uh, about it. You know, it's it, it hasn't been pitched yet. So oh, okay. I, I'm okay. gonna give a really a really boring answer here, but um, okay. Stay tuned. I guess. Okay, that's fair. Okay, well, what else? What else are you coloring right now that we can we can see it? I've actually I finished up my run on um, House of Whispers a couple months ago, and I've actually been uh, clearing my schedule so that I can work on something creator owned. So okay. it's that that's that's my primary focus, but I can't say much yet. So follow you on Twitter to keep up, right? Uh, please, please don't look for me on Twitter. That's okay. the worst place on the internet. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, so I should go unfollow you? Is that what you're saying? Uh, you can. Just don't. Just keep the bar low. Don't, don't have high expectations. Follow up on the Instagram. Okay. Yeah, All right. That's fair. Work. All right. Sam, what do you got next? Um, after Last Stop, uh, I've got a couple of things at DC that haven't been announced. Um, and then uh, I'm also working on a personal uh, project that I'm uh, working to get the pitch ready together for as well. So that's, that's kind of, it's got my plate full with that. And uh, I'll keep everyone posted on social media. You can follow my handle. It's the same everywhere. It's uh, at S Slotfy. So it looks like at Slotfy. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Sam. And Paul, what's next for you? Uh, nothing. <laughs> really, uh, I haven't. I haven't signed any paperwork for like a new thing. Um, I have, I have like twelve different projects in there. Whichever one sticks first is what I end up doing. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me online and read my Foxy comics, which are little one-page cartoons, and um, a new terror, which is uh, on Comicsology. The second right. issue is coming out soon. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I really, seriously, this means so much to me. I'm such a nerd, and this is like a pinnacle of nerddom for me. So I can't can't thank you enough for the time you gave. And uh, I everybody needs to read. La you know, last stop. That is such a great book, and uh, I hope everybody does. So I I really appreciate everybody's time today, and uh, I look forward to the next two issues. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for having us. Yep. yep thank, thank you. you. All right.